this was really a pivotal moment for me, like leaning into that authenticity because, you know, anybody's family wants to see their kid having that steady job, that steady gig, the benefits, the, you know, all of that. And I was like, nah, that's not lighting up my heart. Like, I'm gonna go work on this farm and see what this world of plant medicine can do. Mi gente, dímelo, dímelo. Welcome to another episode of the Quintuera's podcast brought to you by Plural. You already know, it's your boy Pavel bringing you another special episode with another very special guest. As a reminder, on this podcast, our mission is to redefine professionalism. So every week we have a new guest join us for a very candid conversation around their experience between professionalism and authenticity. Speaking of guests, the clip that you heard in the intro is this week's guest, Lindsay Ayala. Before we get into the full conversation, let me give you a quick bio on Lindsay so you have some more context going into it. So Lindsay is a New Yorican sacred earth medicine curandera who's known for working with various medicines, specifically within the indigenous healing practices. She is a soundscape artist, a land steward, an educator, and she's currently pursuing her master's in psychedelic assisted therapy. Fascinating, right? We're actually going to get into that a little bit in this episode as well. We'll also get into how Lindsay is the creator and founder of Bread and Butter, where all of these offerings really intersect and manifest as a living experience. Bread and Butter is a platform that creates community surrounding plant medicine education, connecting to healing with land through various workshops, ceremonies, and the infamous Bread and Butter's product line. Lindsay actually has an in-person studio in Sunset Park, Brooklyn, where she offers one-on-one -on -one sessions, group workshops, and the full Bread and Butter Botanica and Apothecary live. So if you're in the area, be sure to check it out. In the show notes and the episode description, I'll be sure to leave a link to the website as well as the Instagram so y'all could go show love and maybe meet in person. With that said, now you have a little bit more context into our guests for this week. Now let's get into the conversation. Let's get started what we always do with the word authenticity. It's such a buzzword. When you hear the word, though, what does it mean to you? To me, authenticity is like having the nerve to live in your light, but also like embrace the shadows of yourself. Like we're fully both light and dark. And I think when people think of the word authenticity, like you said, it's very much a buzzword right now. They think of this highlighted, like higher version of yourself and like, yes, but also like, you know, we come with a lot of shadow that really when... We give ourselves that space of grace. Like, I think the two of them could really mix beautifully to show our most authentic selves. Oh, when you said nerve, the word that came to mind for me was like the audacity exactly. to like, to do it. Talk to me when you, talk to me about when you were growing up. I'm assuming you didn't have the nerve <laughs> to be yourself. You know, I've always kind of marched to the beat of my own drum, like for better or worse. Um, but I don't think that I really understood the authentic version of myself until a couple of years ago. And I'm already in my mid-30s. So it took some life to get to the point where I'm like, this is me. Like, I have the nerve. I have the, I don't want to say the balls. But yeah, you know, I got the balls to really show up exactly as I am. Um, but my background, I grew up in the Bronx. 
I grew up on Castle Hill. I grew up like a lot of Caribbean kids, I think, who are, you know, I went to Catholic school, Catholic in the front, brujeria in the back, you know? <laughs> Wait, what Catholic school? Because I, I went to Catholic school my whole life, even in high school. I went to Cardinal Hayes. Oh, okay. I went to Holy Family. It's like right on um, Castle Hill and Black Rock. So okay, like, okay. Yeah, but high school is when I moved to Connecticut, which is how I know Samara and a bunch of those folks. Yes. Got it. But it's interesting, though, like growing up, I think there are so many expectations that are placed on us, even from family, let's say, whether it be culturally, whether it be academically, career wise, like before we can even figure out who we are authentically, there's already an idea that our family developed of who they want us to be. Like, tell me about that. Right. No, I love that you said that, because I feel like a part of that becoming your authentic self is kind of breaking that mold or removing yourself completely and creating your own. Um, so my background, like I grew up, I had a kind of a rough upbringing, very much so. Um, I had a, my dad was in and out of the system. I grew up very much affected by the war on drugs. And my mom was very, worked two jobs, like took care of everybody. Um, so I definitely had that mold of what a woman, like a strong woman is supposed to be like and look like and sound like and the things that she's supposed to do. But I wasn't like, I, I don't think my, I was also the first person to go to college and do all of that. So it wasn't really, it was like, do well in school, please stay out of trouble, get a job, you know? <laughs> but I was definitely like, I want to go explore. I want to go. I realized that school and education was really my way out of the Bronx, my way out of this world that was around me that I didn't feel like I could break out of maybe so i really did as well as i could in school and started traveling with programs through there and getting into art programs getting into music programs and that's really plant medicine programs and that's led me like you know to create my own mold essentially so at an early age it sounds like you were really into like the creative side of things as far as like art maybe even design like how did you get that love and what was even the conversation like when you had with your family as far as like, I think this is what I want to do or explore? Yeah, I think like I've always been that kid. Like I was always in my room with my headphones on. I was totally an inside kid. Like my brother was outside playing with friends and I was like, I'm going to read that book. I was always making mixtapes. Like I was very much in my own little art bubble. So my parents were like, yeah, what? <laughs> I have my dad's old like, double cassette tape like boombox so i would have hot 97 on and i would you know how you had <laughs> buttons with the like cassette <laughs> thing over the bottom of the, of the cassettes and i would create these mixtapes and give them to people as gifts <laughs> i guess i still do a lot of versions of that now but yeah i definitely was very much in like the artistic world i was always painting and drawing and i really spent a lot of time with my grandmother growing up because my mom was working so much and she's very artistic. So she definitely like was the jump off for a lot of what I do now. Um, she's like I said, very artistic and really helped me. To, she fostered that side of me, but she also was a plant medicine worker. So she had a garden in the back of her house on Castle Hill. So I really got to connect with plants and I would be in the backyard drawing the plants and speaking to the plants and connecting. So I definitely was that La La Land kid. Like, my Pisces energy. 
Yo, I want to know more about Abuela because it sounds like she was such an impactful figure in your life on on multiple levels. And I'm asking too, as a as someone that has such a close relationship with their Abuela, um, yeah, tell me more about Abuela and like, what was it? How how was she expressed it from an art standpoint? So she was just very, she is very creative. Like she always had an art room where she was making clothing for me as like a very young age. Um, she would teach me how to make dolls. She, so she grew up in Puerto Rico and was kind of that homesteader. You know, they had a farm, like she was taking care of exactly that, like making clothes, making food. And she brought a lot of that back here with her, you know? So that whole creative side was definitely how she still lives her life. But She's also a plant medicine worker. So a lot of my work is the background of spiritual herbalism and doing spiritual cleansings for people. And I learned a lot of that with her, like being in her garden and connecting with the plants and the things she would tell me, like, you know, the spirits of the plants. And, you know, when we're kids, I remember my brother and I would go and like pick the leaves off and all that. And she's like, no, you can't do that. Like this, that plant is alive just as you are. Like it would explain to us like this relationship with the world around us. And for me, it translated as this depicting that beauty. You know, I wanted to draw it. I wanted to create things with it. I remember going in the backyard and having like purple flowers and making like a dye so I can paint with it. So I was really like exploring as she was teaching me. I was kind of taking it and being like thinking about it for a while. I'm like, how can I, what do I want to make with that now that I know this? That's so dope. <laughs> As you as you start thinking about like what I'm hearing is that you're slowly figuring out your interests and your passions. And a lot of it was through your abuela. Mm -hmm. But then at some point, I'm a, I'm I'm assuming that there was like a crossroad. You probably thought, well, can I make a living from this or should I go the more, quote unquote, corporate route and find like a job that isn't necessarily what I'm doing with her? No, for sure. So. Growing up, like I said, I was very involved in art. So naturally, my work went towards that. And I didn't know the potential of jobs that that could bring me at the time or just being a creative. So I went in high school, I started working with children and creating like after school programs, um, doing a lot of like art, early art therapy work with kids. Like I would dive into art history, learn what they were learning in school. And we'd create these like, you know, visual beautiful things together and I did that from the age of like 15 till I was 24 so it was quite a while of being in this I was really motivated by kids and in like inner city kids like myself if it wasn't for art and music like I probably wouldn't have experienced a lot of the things that I had so I wanted to really create and offer experiences like that for as many people as I could so fast forward to college I moved to San Francisco for my last two years of school. And I joined, I started working at a children's museum. And it was the first time that I was stepping into this more corporate role, like it's a nonprofit. There was a lot of, I ended up like running the museum like a weekend manager. It was a lot for like a 23 year old at the time, but I was really like excited and motivated. But at the literal same time, I met my ex-partner and he's a cannabis farmer. He's like, that's just what he does. Like he's been farming and working with plants forever. So he was like, on the weekends that you're off, do you want to drive a couple hours north and make some extra money? Like see a cannabis farm and see what's up. And I was like, yeah, 
yeah, why not? Like, sure, I'll go check it out. So I started working on this farm and reconnecting to like my plant medicine side. And there was a, like a year or so later, I had an opportunity at both times, like on the farm and also at this museum that I had been working with. And I had just finished my undergrad. So I was feeling really like, you know, you remember being a little lost, like, all right, this is my career. I got a degree now, but like, where the job's at? Like, what do I do? Well, I had this opportunity to take over like a portion of this new section that was coming into the museum or having a more permanent role on the farm because I was like really taking to these plants and the other plants outside of the cannabis plant. So I decided then I was like, what? This was really a pivotal moment for me, like leaning into that authenticity because, you know, anybody's family wants to see their kid having that steady job, that steady gig, the benefits, the you know, all of that. And I was like, nah, that's not lighting up my heart. Like, I'm going to go work on this farm and see what this world of plant medicine can do and where it can bring me. I definitely want to get into that. But before that, I think it's important to jump into that museum experience or even some of those early experiences where you kind of like working in academics, right? Even with children. A lot of us go into like that first quote unquote adult job. And all we think about is like, how am I going to show up? How am I going to present myself so that they can take me seriously? Right? Yeah. <laughs> how did how did you show up? <laughs> I think I, I definitely showed up as myself, and I'm grateful that that space, like Oakland, is very open. Like there's a lot of open folks. Like there were folks with hella tattoos, like very like creatively expressing themselves by the way they looked. So I was already like, okay, this is cool. Like I can still rock my Doc Martens and my band T-shirts, and like this is profesh, sick. You know, but I definitely, it's interesting, you know, like growing up in the hood, although at that point I had traveled and been out of New York and all of that, like I still had this like fear of like, let me talk a certain way, like let me show up and like look a certain way. And I still was trying to fit into this perceived box that I thought. In what ways? In what ways did you try to fit in like that? Like, did you buy a pantsuit? Did you hide the tattoos? Did you not wear short sleeves? Like. I now were the piercings, the ear, like everything. Tell me everything. I did. Well, I didn't have as many tattoos as I have now. I definitely made this choice like later. But um, mm -hmm. I was, was that inten was that intentional though? It was intentional on a spiritual level. It's I, I felt like it's um I'm adorning my body with these protective symbols and it helps me with the work that I'm doing now. Um, but yeah, at the time I definitely was like going to Ross and shit. Like, let me go get a button. <laughs> I was like, what's a professional people wear? I'm like, okay, a button up and like some slacks. And then I got there and I was like, oh, okay. But even so, like, I definitely felt like I had to be even more ahead because I was also the youngest person on my team. Like they really trusted me. Um, so I felt like I had to do, I had to go a little bit above and beyond. And which I'm, you know, at the time it was really hard because I was in school and doing all of that, but I'm grateful for it now because it showed me Although it was coming from a place of fear at the time, it showed me preparation. It showed me how to know my shit. It showed me what, you know, really doing the background work can do for you. Like it is, I think showing up for success is a mix of definitely knowing your shit and having that moment of luck, you know, and it can all really like coincide. Yeah. Do you remember when you started and maybe it wasn't even in some of those early experiences, like maybe it was later in life. But do you remember when you started feeling a little bit more comfortable or starting to bring a little bit more of yourself 
to work? I'm wondering like what that experience was like. Probably towards the end, like the last couple months that I knew that this other opportunity had come in my way. And I was like, not like bucket, but kind of like, let me just show up as I show up. Like I, I thought that I was careless. I think I was just trusting myself in a different way and trusting my shit and trusting like, if this is meant to be, they're going to accept me exactly how I show up today. And if it's not, then I have this other opportunity waiting for me. So, yeah, I definitely, I mean, I was 23, so maybe I slacked off a little bit, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the universe was definitely, I, I always told folks, like, the universe at that point started showing me the breadcrumbs. Like, I knew how I was, I started paying attention to how I was feeling, like, internally before I would go into that job. And how it shifted from me being really excited and being really motivated to, and this wasn't because of the work itself. It was more like the nonprofit world, which is kind of heartbreaking. I feel like I was a little jaded after the experience. Um, yeah, it definitely made me like shift away from it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And what, what, what were some of those things that you think you started to like show people? Because I think many of us, right, like we hide a bunch of parts of ourselves going into work and we have that moment where it's like one day I'm just going to like show up as myself, but we don't do it like all at the same time. It's typically like little pieces, right? So I'll be like, you know what, fuck it. One day, today I'm going to wear my hoops and then next day I'm going to do something else and next day, whatever. Like, what was that first thing for you that you started to feel comfortable in and how do you think you were received? The first thing for me was... I started creating my own projects. Like I definitely got more involved in talking to the kids. Like in that particular space I was working, there was like a way they wanted things to look, a way they wanted things to sound, a way they wanted these finished products to come out and look so that it's sellable, so that it's marketable, so that it's like, you know, has this beautiful picture frame around it. But knowing these kids after working with them for a couple of years and, you know, creating these relationships with them, I'm like, what do y'all want to make? Like, Uh fuck what they wanted. Like, what do y'all want to make? You know, like, these trees are purple. Hell yeah, they're purple. You know, like, I started to give the children their creativity, like, that openness more and not wanting to fit them inside of this box, which I think was a reflection of myself because I was also trying to, like, not fit in this box. But at the time, I was also, like, I've never been the um, troublemaker kind, so I'm not going to you know, be like, I'm going to come in here all crazy talking, you know, rah, rah, rah. It's like I was making subtle adjustments and like really trying to show myself through the work that I was making with these kids. But it wasn't, I don't, there wasn't really like a, I just decided that it wasn't for me. I just knew in my body, I wasn't going to like create any rifts, which now I probably would be a little different, but I just like gracefully kind of exited from there. I love that. I love that you know, some of what you're highlighting is that like authenticity isn't just always things like aesthetically that you can see. Like the fact that you said like, yeah, I started to show my style of work. It's interesting. Like that was definitely a building block for me to create some, to get some bearings and kind of get more nerve of myself and what I wanted to do with work. But I feel like a lot of the shifts that I was making happened when I decided to step into the world of plant medicine, step into the world of cannabis that on the West Coast is very white male dominated. And I'm this young New Yorkan coming in, you know, in Tim's on the farm and, you know, really creating this disruption 
on that space and then bringing that here. So talk to me when you first, you know, ha <laughs> those first steps into Tim's on the farm, you know what I mean? Like, what did it feel like compared to some of your previous experiences? You mean being on the farm for the first time? More so like you're starting this like new career. I'm just visualizing kind of like with the Tim's on the farm. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't, I didn't realize what I was doing at the time. I don't think that I really realized that this was going to be my career for a few years afterwards, maybe three years into doing the work. I just wanted to do something that really fulfilled my soul. And of course, like helped me to pay my bills, but it, I really wanted to do something that was different, like radically different. I knew that things weren't working for me in what my life was looking like at that time. So this just really like lit me up and it was exciting to like, you know, from, like we've, we smoke weed in New York. Like when I was younger, it was, oh, you got, I got fire, ma, I got haze. Like, I don't know what we were really getting. Like I knew a little bit of the difference between like a sativa and an indica, but not really. So it was really, I'm very much a nerd. Like I'm gonna throw myself into the studies and get to know exactly what I'm doing. So it was really beautiful to be able to see these plants in their natural environment and get to know them. The same way that I was getting to know these plants in my grandma's backyard. So it took a few years for me to really cultivate this deep relationship with the plant, with the people on the farm. And I feel like, I feel like it felt like I was exactly where I was supposed to be for the first time ever. Like maybe, maybe even like you finally felt like you belonged. Yes, definitely. Uh, California brought me a lot of that. California brought me a lot of finding home in myself and outside of myself. Not necessarily always with the people, but definitely with maybe the space, with the the natural world around me. The amount of like solo time that I had because I moved across the country all by myself, like within a couple weeks decision. So <laughs> it was nice to really like trust myself that way and realize I can create wherever I am. What sort of changes did you even start to see yourself as you started, you know, embracing this new culture of not even just like the industry, but even just like the culture that is california as well i definitely chilled out a lot <laughs> bc Lindsay, like before california Lindsay, and then now <laughs> i definitely chilled out a lot in the sense that again like i think the pace of new york is so it's, it's in me you know like it's so busy it's it creates a lot of static inside of us it creates a lot of motion which can be really amazing for some folks and sometimes it can kind of burn us out if we don't know how to create those boundaries so i didn't know those boundaries before i left so coming to california i really was like things like the pace was much slower the fact that i was able to you know walk through the golden gate bridge you know and like i was in a new place and new experiences i was able to yeah like i definitely tested myself a lot like trying to get I'm, my like that courage <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I'm curious, too, because I think within our culture, I mean, I had neighbors that had like their own botanicas in, in, in the neighborhood, like across the street from my, my abuela's house. And I think connecting with the earth and deriving products from it is is understood. But I think when you say things like plant medicine, like I don't think everyone is going to understand that. Right. But everyone does understand that, like you work at a museum, you work at a at a at a school right like what sort of emotions came up or or if any around like 
what are people going to think when mm -hmm. they find out that like sort of like this is the career path that I'm exploring? Oof, that is a great question because <laughs> it's constantly shifted for like it's constantly been a new level of like, oh, what are people going to think? And then I'm, you know, diving deeper into my work and finding, you know, more of myself, more of my authentic self in this work and then sharing that with folks. And it's like, oh, my God, what are people going to think? So I've been going through like levels of this for the last few years. And the first, at first, like my friends, of course, thought it was so cool. You know, it's like you work on a cannabis farm and you're like, you know, doing this whole herbalism thing. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, then my family was like, what the fuck? You know, because I crack sometimes, you know, for some families. <laughs> oh my God. My abuela, if I tell her I'm even smoking hookah, she thinks I'm doing crack. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's a big stigma. And I understand why, especially like for my family, you know, the things that they had gone through, like the way New York was in the 90s, the way everything went down. So I understood their like apprehension and their, you know, kind of fear into this work that I was stepping into, especially across the country, like so far away from home. But it's funny because I was always the stoner in high school. I was always getting in trouble. So I think they kind of like expected... Maybe not necessarily, but they were like, all right, this this makes sense. Like, okay, we see it. But it wasn't until I moved back to New York that it really became my, like, work, work. Like, I really, I moved back to New York in 2015 and decided to start Bread and Butter, like, a couple months later. And it really was a blend of that artwork that I've done for a long time. I've always been that, I've always had the space where people gathered. Like even from the after school in middle school to the dorm parties in college to, you know, hosting all types of parties. I just love hosting. So we created, you know, this sort of thing that was an apothecary because I was working on this farm. And besides cannabis, like we had beautiful like plant allies and plant medicines. And I call them like sacred earth medicines because it's not just, you know, leaves. It was the flowers. It was the trees. It was the sounds. So I was trying to encapsulate that for folks. So bread and butter began with like a few apothecary items, some artwork and music and other friends like sharing their magic. And that's kind of like the blueprint for what happened for the next seven years. <laughs> <laughs> that's so dope. And it must be like also this duality of like even even when thinking about your family's experience, right? You have kind of like two sides to it. Like your abuela was such a influential figure and she's helping you sort of like source these these passions right from from plant medicine but also your family the neighborhood your friends are also victims and you know part of this war on drugs yeah. and a lot of what you're doing as well i don't know if you realize but like you're you're putting positivity on plant medicine versus like i think for a lot of our families right like they think like we're all addicts or something like that. I don't know how how exactly to put it, but yeah. No, I feel that. You know, it's interesting because that I was saying that first apothecary line that I created, I was remaking my grandma's recipes. So I was remaking, which is a lot of my product line to this day. It's reformulating, like recreating my grandma's like balm that she would make for muscle and joint pain as like an ode to her and as like showing gratitude to her. But I was also mixing in this version of myself that is really at the time like enamored with the cannabis plant and understanding the medicine behind the cannabis plant. And my mission was and still is like, 
how can we talk about this plant outside of this, you know, stigma that it already has? How can we talk about conscious consumption, intentional use, like different ways to be in harmony and then interacting with this plant outside of just, you know, getting stoned, getting high, like, which is great and fun. And like, you know, it's a very social plant and all of that amazing stuff, but it's also like deeply healing, deeply like, yeah, it's really, our body has an endocannabinoid system, you know, like it's really a plant that for the right people can really assist us in so many ways. So I wanted to highlight like so, so much of, as much as I could, especially bringing it back here where, you know, there wasn't at the time a lot of education or conversation around that conscious consumption and intentional use. And especially for our communities, like, you know, even now, bread and butter, the community is made up of POC folks. A lot of us are here in New York. There are a lot of Caribbean folks, Black folks. And our background with this plant is like, you know, using it in secret. Like, don't tell your mom, like, oh, we're stepping outside. Like, you know, you and your cousins going outside, go get the visine. Like, there's a lot of secrecy around it. But it's like, for what? You know, like, for what? If we look back into ancient cultures, indigenous cultures, they've all used this plant for so many years, for so many different therapeutic reasons. So I wanted to bring that to the forefront. What do you think the reception has been? Like when you, talk to me about when you first opened Bread and Butter, like what were the emotions going through your head around? Like, is this gonna work? Are people gonna care? Who, like, is my community gonna show up? Or like, tell me just about all those thoughts when you first opened it. Wow, yeah, the first thing, <laughs> the first rendition of our brick and mortar, I was terrified. <laughs> but I also, I had, we opened in, after the third year of Bread and Butter. And at that point I had done so many pop-ups. I had shown up at everybody's store, everybody's, you know, event. And I trusted that people would come. I was like, if people, if I build a space like this, I, I had, it was like a six month pop-up lease. So I was like, I have six months to try this out. Like, let me, let me like dip my toes in a little bit, like see how this goes. And it was the best thing I had ever done for like, I, it was the best thing ever. Like, I didn't know that I could create a brick and mortar space. Like I thought the pop-up thing was really for me. Like, you know, we'll host an event a couple of times a year. Like you can find me at these holiday, you know, holiday shops or like different, uh, different stores. But no, I realized that people really wanted this safe space to have these conversations and to, you know, just delve in a little bit deeper. I think one of the dope things about your space too is that you're not just selling products. You're also, to your point, it's about building community, hosting events. And I almost think back to some of your early career days where you, to your, you said like you didn't feel like you belonged. I'm wondering that first event that you threw and you actually had a bunch of people with similar interests, may even look like you. What did it feel like? Did do you think they also felt like they found the place where they belonged? Yes, I love that you said that because I realized after doing this work for so long and shout out to therapy, that that is exactly why I got led to this work is because I wanted to create a space that felt like home, that felt safe, that felt like a space where people can openly have conversations and explore and I realized that there wasn't a place like that that existed that I knew of at the time. So I feel I felt like if I'm feeling this way and I was having, you know, conversations with folks at these pop-ups and at these events, and they would talk to me like, 
you know, because bread, I mean, yes, we are a plant medicine brand, but I'm a spiritual herbalist by, since my gra my grandma's a curandera, I'm fifth generation curandera. So I've been learning how to give limpieza, learning how to do this platica since I was very young. So that was a lot of like, that's embedded in everything I do. So people will come and talk to me and say like, you know, sometimes I, you know, have these feelings or I have these dreams and, you know, I'm feeling this certain way. Do you know if I can use an herb for that? And I'd be like, yes, we have this. So, you know, people were opening up to me and having these questions that I knew the answers to. And if I didn't know the answer to, I've been creating this community around me for so long. that I was like, I don't really know the answer to that, but I can share this person's information with you who might be able to help you. And it became a lot of like education surrounding what we were doing which I feel like is what's empowering folks the most. Like we can have an event, we can have these dope products, we can have like this, you know, beautiful space that you walk into. But when you leave, like, how do you take that with you? Like, how do you take that knowledge with you and continue that vibration? It's through empowering people through education. So that became a really big pillar pretty quickly. Like once I opened the first bread and butter shop, because folks are coming in and having all these questions about the products and having so many questions about, I called it Botanica before I even knew exactly what I was getting myself into as an ode to my grandmother, her mom who owned the Botanica, her mom's mom who owned the Botanica. So it's been in my lineage for a long time. So I think I was kind of calling it, calling it, you know, calling it in and not even intentionally not realizing that I was doing that. Um, yeah. <laughs> a journey, man. <laughs> No, no, that that's so dope. And it sounds very similar to the, to the work that I do in the sense that there are so many stories and experiences that often go just like untold because we don't really know who to share them with, but also who can help us with those. Right. And here you are creating a digital and physical space where like people are opening up to you on like, this is my situation. And sometimes they just need an ear, but other times they also need a product to help them. Like you're providing that space but also the product to help them heal in many ways yeah it's led to it's led me to so much healing in my own life and just in my career because of all of these like conversations i've been having with people and this you know the platicas that i hold and the healing sessions that i hold i just started a master's program for transpersonal therapy to really better help folks and better understand how to be a tool be you know, be of service. Um, and it's it's been an interesting journey to be able to combine this world of therapy, plant medicine. Uh, my minor is in psychedelic therapy now. So there's a lot of this like starting to blend and, and move because I realized too, like as a, you know, Latina, when I was going to, you know, therapy or any of that kind of help wasn't really like in my vernacular. It wasn't something that I was like comfortable talking about, even knowing where the fuck do you do that outside of your like school therapist. So it was just, I really want to create space where folks can come and, you know, people will sit and have platica and like we're having a conversation and telling me like their deepest desires or like things they want to release. And I'm like, Folks are so quick to go to that curandera, to that, you know, espiritita before they go to, you know, a therapist or, you know, any sort of help in that way. So how can I combine the two without being overly like lay on the couch, you know, like <laughs> healing feelings? It's like, how can I create this authentic blend of 
all the modalities that are in me from my ancestors, from my culture, from the constellation of community that surrounds me and what they mean and how we're reflecting that from each other. That also resonates with me a lot too, because people also sort of like tell me a lot of traumatic experiences on the podcast and off the podcast. Like my DMs, people just like, yo, I got to schedule time with you, share it. But despite the success and all of those things, like, yo, that shit takes a toll. Who does it? <laughs> on on receiving that information, right? Like, and then you got things as far as like, you know, you sort of like accept all of this from your community, but also how did you discover how to like continue that fulfilled feeling? Spiritual hygiene, I call it. <laughs> So I learned pretty early, like I'm grateful, like for my grandma and like the elders that I worked with that showed me how to clear my energy after having these deep conversations, because I feel like when people come to you, you know, you and I mean the general, like you and me and others who, you know, attract like people's stories, attract people's problems, attract their, you know, their energy you're an empathic person. Like you're just energetically open. Like your aura is very big. People feel really safe around you, which is a huge gift, like a huge gift, but it can also be like really difficult because like you said, you're like, damn, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And that's not to say anything about the person, like every, nothing about the person and what they're sharing with me. It's just, you know, having a lot of those experiences, especially in a space like a botanica. Like I do a lot of, spiritual baths I do a lot of breath work um I work with a lot of plants so like even when we opened I was like burning some sage you know you were (laughs) (laughs) I really have a deep connection with these plants and the spirits of the plants and I I do a lot of spiritual banyos I mean just a couple days two days ago I had five limpiezas in a day so it's you know I'm cleansing myself in between clients I'm cleansing myself at the ends of the day and for people that don't know, can you explain what a limpieza is? So a limpieza is a spiritual cleansing, essentially. Um, and everybody looks a little bit different from my standpoint. I we sit and talk kind of like we're doing right now. Uh, I'm actually sitting at the altar table where I have my platica right now. <laughs> so we sit and have a conversation and folks will tell me what they're wanting to clear from their energetic fields, whether it's thought patterns, people, um feelings traumas from the past and then from there we go it depends what kind of cleansing we do sometimes it's a barita, which is like a sweeping with different herbs sometimes it's a spiritual bath that i give you to take at home that i prepare for you i use sound a lot going back to that those mixtape days as a little kid like sound has really been a huge tool for me in this energetic cleansing you know our bodies are made up of so much water so vibrating and shaking that that energy out is really helpful. So those are some of the ways that I do Olympiasa, but yeah, basically a spiritual cleansing. <laughs> I love that. And it, and obviously it looks, it looks to be that you're like very comfortable in who you are these days. Like, are there any ways when you think about like traditional professionalism that you kind of still struggle with or a little bit insecure about? Yeah. You know, when I decided to join this master's program, it was interesting because I feel like Although I had done all these years of study and, you know, working with maestras and working with elders and plant medicine folks, nothing really set me up for this going into this master's program where I'm my classmates are doctors, are therapists already are, you know, in this professional world that 
feel so different from what I'm doing. And I kind of ha- had a lot of fear going into that. And how would I show up? Like, you know, I didn't know what to expect, but I had a lot of fear around that. And what people would think, like, we're all going into this, you know, psychedelic therapy work. But like I said, I didn't have that therapy background. And when I showed up, it was really, I felt like even now I'm saying it and my throat feels tight. <laughs> I had a lot of fear to work through in the last year when it comes to professionalism and what that looks like and the many different ways that that can exist because after having conversations with these doctors and these therapists who are my classmates I realized that we all know the same thing it just has different names sometimes you know we're all doing the same kind of work it just has a different face because it's coming from your own ashe your own spirit it's coming out of an individual so who was I to say that you know I don't know enough or I'm not equipped enough to be in this space in this room at this table with all these people and it's taught me a lot and a lot of self-acceptance a lot of accepting of this work because I think there's still very much a lot of stigma regardless of how many psychedelic documentaries there are out there regardless of you know having these deep spiritual experiences and retreats that people are going on there's still a lot of stigma around it so I've been working through that a lot this year. I'm still, I don't want to say I'm finally there, but I'm, I'm getting there. (laughs) (laughs) I I love that you shared that. Um, and I didn't expect the answer. Appreciate the vulnerability. And so think, you know, there, there's obviously the anxieties going into it, but then you are sort of like actually being in it. Did you revert back to the ways of the past? Like, did you go back to Ross and get a pantsuit? What'd you do? (laughs) No, I just, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't, but I did find myself. So my program is really, it's a hybrid. So we're like half online and then we're spending two to three weeks out of each semester in South America going into deep plant medicine journeying. Um, We're kind of in like therapy boot camp. So we're like being cracked wide open. And my first couple days, maybe like two or three days that I was at this retreat in this, you know, with my cohort, I definitely like fell back a little bit. I'm more, I was more of the like observer and being like, <laughs> like, you know, I found myself doing more of that. But after a couple of days, I realized like everybody's really bearing their soul to each other. Like this is the way that we're healing, the way that we release, the way that we purge, the way that we relearn, reprogram is really to like get things up and out. So I found myself being more present and more open and working on that vulnerability because that's some real shit. I know. And what were some of those conversations that you were just like, oh, I'm going to step back from this one? Oh, I don't even know if I want to go there because, there, you know, there was a lot of there was, it's very deep. Like it was very deep for a lot of folks. Something that was really well, what I can say is something that I felt a little bit like I'm not really here for this conversation was in my program. I think I'm one of the youngest Again, like I'm in this space where I'm like, you know, in the minority of age, there are maybe a handful of us who are not white or older or, you know, in this professional world already. So there were moments that I definitely found myself being like, this conversation isn't for me or like, "Mm." but I was trying to, and I, you know, the first program really helped me like being in these interactive conversations with folks that I normally wouldn't be talking to on the daily um, so I definitely found more grace in those moments and was more present. <laughs> yeah. I get it. I get it. It's, it's really tough. 
and obviously like none of us are are finished growing obviously you're continuing to work on stuff i definitely am but i'd love to see the growth and in, in sort of like where you started compared to where you were you can definitely see the confidence and oozing out of you um as you look forward like what's the one thing that continues to empower and inspire you to continue being your most authentic self um in this professional sense my community like definitely my community because i've learned over the last who we burn butter just turned seven which is a huge blessing over these last seven years the more that i've leaned into showing my authentic self by being vulnerable by sharing that you know, like we were saying this is a new level like this is the work that i'm doing the more that i've been open and willing to share myself the more i'm seeing other people do the same like we really are reflections of each other. So I think when we see someone doing it, it gives us permission to be that same way. So that's really what lights my lights me up. Like it's definitely keeping me in this work is my community. Mi gente, that wraps up this week's episode of the Quintuetas podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please do us a favor, like, share, comment, leave a rating and review wherever you're listening because your engagement is going to help these stories and experiences get heard by more people. And that's the only way that we're going to redefine professionalism. Thank you. See you next time.